Amen. Luke chapter 6, verse 6 to 10. Bishop and Sister Downs are away today ministering in Malaysia. And so keep them in your prayers. They left yesterday. They're ministering at a Bible college over there. Amen. Luke chapter 6, verse 6 to 10. And I'm so glad we got three baptisms after the 11:15 service today. We rejoice in that. Praise God. Maybe there'll be more after the preaching today. Maybe someone from 9:15 service can go home, get the change of clothes, and come back. Get baptized in Jesus' name. Luke chapter 6, and we're going to read from verses 6 through to 10. Have you got your Bibles there today? It's good to see so many Bibles. Praise God. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught, that is Jesus. And there was a man whose right hand, everyone say his right hand, his right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man, which had the withered hand, rise up, stand forth in the midst or come forward out of the crowd. And he rose, he arose and he stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, those who are around. He said, I'll ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking around about them all, he said unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as the other. Amen. What a great miracle. Amen. Luke tells us that his right hand was with it. Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. And that man stretched forth his withered hand, and Jesus healed it. So I want to speak today on this title, Expose Your Need to Jesus to expose your need to Jesus. And I believe that the Word of God is living. As it goes forth, it's gonna speak to many different situations and circumstances. It's gonna speak to many different needs in this place because God's Word is like that, it's powerful. A word can be preached, but the way it's received in every heart and the way it ministers to every one of us, it will minister to all of us exactly where we're at. Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. We thank you, Lord, that we can stand on your word. That, Lord, the flower will fade, the grass will wither. But, Lord God, your word is forever settled in heaven. Lord God, we thank you, Lord, today for everyone that's here to hear your word. But, Lord, help us not just to hear the word, but help us to apply it to our lives. Help us to mix our faith with it. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. You may be seated. Amen. Expose, expose your need to Jesus. Expose your need to Jesus. When I was preparing this message, I began to think about how superficial our society has become. Superficiality, superficial. What do I mean by that? Maybe you're you're wondering what does the word superficial mean? What does superficiality mean? Well, what we have is we have a society now which is very much concerned with what's on the surface. Everyone say the surface. We have people, a lot of people today, most people today are very, very concerned about 
the external appearance or the outward only. In our relationships at work, we may call people friends, but are they true friends? Uh, Or is it just a superficial, outward, external, surface type of relationship? And I don't have a problem with that. But if they're the only relationships you've got, then I challenge you to get to know somebody better and get below the surface. Superficiality, people are very much concerned about uh, this shallow, this unreal, this no substance. Just we, we want people to see only the surface issues. And we live in a world, and let me say this, we live in a world that is consumed with the superficial. People are concerned, not so much about necessarily who they are, but they're concerned with looking the part. People will say, well, you just got to fake it until you can make it. Superficiality, let me say this, superficiality is the curse of this age. And I believe we're beginning to see some of the results of, of our superficial society. And so we have things like social media and, and people have speculated for years about social. In other words, what's, what's social about social media? Because really social media at best is very, very superficial. In fact, people have been speculating that it's caused us to lose touch with other people. That our relationships with others aren't as strong as before because we, we just communicate with people and, uh, through social media. But I would go a little bit further to say not only has social media caused us to lose touch with people, but it has also caused many to obsess with their, their portrayal, with a fabricated version of themselves. They've got this channel that I can show the world what I want them to see and they don't have to see what I don't want them to see. I can show the world the surface and the shallow. I don't have to, people don't actually have to know me. I can fabricate a version of myself. And you know what? I can decide that I'm not gonna let you see my lowlights. I'm just gonna let you see my highlights. And that's exactly what it is. And the sad thing is many people, they, they compare their lowlights with somebody's highlights. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So when you're at home, ladies, and you've got a brand new baby, you're, you're up at you know, 11 o'clock at night, you're changing baby's nappies, and you, you, you open up the social media, and all your, your girlfriends are out having coffee. And you think, I'm the only one. I'm the only one that has to change nappies. Everyone else is out having coffee. And then we see people having holidays. We're working, we're, we're under the pump at work and, and people are posting photos of their holidays. We think, oh, everyone has holidays except us. But you have to remember, they are only showing you a little window of their life. And it's a controlled window. They're showing you what they want you to see. It is very superficial. Never compare your low lights with somebody's highlights. Somebody say amen. We've got to hear that today. Don't compare your low lights with somebody's highlights. You see, superficiality is the curse of this age. And so this is the reality where I'm coming. I'm not talking about social media today, but 
You can't be superficial with God. We would be foolish to think that we can just kind of have this portrayal with God. That we can just let him see what we want him to see. You can't be superficial with God. Why? Because God knows. You can act however you want. You can dress however you want. You can talk however you want. But God knows. He knows he sees beyond the surface. He knows. And I was thinking, can, can you imagine what God is thinking when we get all superficial with him? When we, when we get all surfacy and, you know, trying to show God our best side and we, we, we're trying to almost fake it with God and he looks at us and goes, oh, come on. I know you. Formed you in your mother's womb. I know who you are. I know the thoughts and intents of your heart. I mean, you're smiling, but I know that this morning you were crying. You see, can you imagine what God is thinking when we get all superficial with him? In fact, one of the things that God hates is not pride, just pride, but God hates a proud look. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 to 19. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And the first cab off the rank is a proud look. Well, after that, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. But surprising. We've got murder there, we've got lying, we've got wicked imaginations, but the first cab off the rank that God hates is a proud look. Not just pride, but a proud look. Why does God hate pr a proud look? You see, you know, people, God is, proud people will never really admit that they have a need. Proud people will stand there and think that they're above everyone. You know, that they're the ones that don't have any problems. They're the ones that don't need any answers. They're the ones that know everything. And, and, and so God hates a proud look because proud people will never admit their need. They will, they, will, they will keep a facade, a proud look, so they, nobody can ever know who they really are. But God knows who they are. And so a proud look, why would, why would somebody need a savior if you're not willing to admit that you're drowning? Think about that. Why would somebody need a miracle if you're not willing to admit to God that you've got a need? Why would God need to do the impossible in your life if you won't even tell him about your problems. When you're sitting there with a proud look and God says, come on, I know you've got a need, but are you willing to expose that need to me? Are you willing to reach out that withered arm? Are you able to reach out that need to me? And so Jesus called, called this man out of the crowd. And then he said, reach forth your hand. Now, a superficial person would have said, okay, I'll just, re I'll just put my best foot forward. I'll show them my good. And he could have put forth his left hand because there was a crowd there and in, in front of everybody. He didn't want anybody to see his needs or, or his problems. And, and when Jesus, he didn't, Jesus didn't say, reach forth your right hand. He said, just reach forth your hand. This man exposed his need to God. 
and he got his healing. He wasn't there with a proud look and saying, well, I don't have a need. Oh, he wasn't there just saying, well, let me show you my best side. But when he exposed his need to God, when he was honest with God about the need in his life, that's when the miracle came. That's when the healing came. And I've come to tell you today, we can't sit here and be superficial with God. God knows every need, but God is also a gentleman and he will wait for you to come forward and, and ask. The Bible says, you have not because you ask not. The Bible says, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. We've got to expose our need to God. You see, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, the eyes of the Lord go out through the whole earth, and he's looking to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. So the eyes of the Lord go throughout the whole earth and God is wanting to show himself strong. God is looking to show himself strong. Sister Grace, God is wanting to do something in our lives. Brother Mika, God is wanting to do something in our lives. He wants to show himself strong on our behalf. But let me tell you, God can't help somebody that's sitting there with their proud look. God can't help somebody that thinks they're Superman. God can't help Superman. If you don't have a need, he can't show himself strong on your behalf. If you're Superwoman, he cannot show himself strong on your behalf. As long as you are trying to show God how strong you are, he cannot show, himself, show you how strong he is. As long as you are trying to show God how strong you are with your proud look, he cannot show himself strong to you. And he's looking for people that are going to be vulnerable enough to get beyond the surface and to expose their need to him and say, Lord, I am broken. Lord, my life is in pieces. I need you to heal me, Lord God. All these broken pieces, all this mess, emotional mess in my life. God, here it is. You knew all about it. But Lord, I'm exposing it to you. I need your help in my life today. You've got to expose your need to God. No wonder some people get anointed while other people just get really tired because they're just superficial. They've got all this. It's like a duck. They look on the surface. They look so calm. But underneath, they're just going crazy. Superficiality. You see, if God responds to need and you don't need anything, then you won't get anything. I'm sorry, I'm sorry it couldn't be more profound. But if you don't want anything, you won't get anything. And if you don't need anything, you won't receive anything. Because God responds to need. You see, when we go to the, the account of the feeding of the 5,000, there were 5,000 men plus women and children. And we know the account because the lad came they needed some food to feed the crowd. And the lad had five loaves and two fishes. And it was a great crowd. They even said, what is this small amount amongst so many? And so we often miss it. We often miss the main thing in this account of Jesus feeding 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. We miss the main thing. What was it that moved Jesus? Why did Jesus do the miracle? 
Was it the lad? Because the lad came and said, well, I've got five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus says, oh, well, great. Let me take that. And I'll, because you've got five loaves and two fishes, then I'll feed them all. Was it the lad or is it the lunch? No. You see, what moved God? When those 5,000 men plus women and children were there, listen to me carefully, what moved God? It was the hunger that was exposed to him that moved Jesus. When they came to Jesus and they exposed the need, they said, we are a people and we are hungry. They exposed their need to Jesus. They said, we are hungry. And you know what Jesus said? That's good because I've got capacity. I'm gonna release the supply. I'm gonna do the miracle. Why? Because they exposed the need. It was the hunger that moved Jesus to do the miracle. And let me tell you, unless you're willing to get hungry and thirsty, unless you're willing to expose your need to God, He can't do it for you. Now, I know, I know nobody ever comes to church and just tries to look the part. No, we don't do that, do we? Of course not. I know nobody tries to act like they've got no problems in their life. We don't do that. But just in case there are some people that, that snuck into church today like that. Let me tell you, unless we expose our need to God. You can't be superficial with God. You can't be just on the surface with God. You've got to get down on your knees. I'm not telling you, telling you just to let it all out in front of everybody and just show everybody your dirty laundry, no. But with God, He already knows. And be truthful enough with God to say, God, you know... Lord, here is my broken pieces. Here is my mess. I need a healing. I need your guidance. Oh God, I'm lost. My faith is beginning to fail. Oh God, I've got so many needs in my life. And when you begin to expose those needs to God, the Bible says, just like that, that feeding of the 5,000, that God begins to be moved with compassion and he will do something in your life. You've got to expose You've got to expose your need to Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible said that when Jesus, after John the Baptist was beheaded, it said that when Jesus saw the people, when he saw how they were hurt, the Bible says when he saw it, when it was exposed, he was moved with compassion and he healed them. The last few weeks, I've been speaking about knowing God, knowing God, not just knowing about God. There are a lot of people that know about God. A lot of theologians know a lot of things about God. But I've been talking about truly knowing God, gnosko, that intimate knowledge that goes beyond just a superficial relationship. Not just knowing about God, but to truly know God, to have an intimate relationship with God. Now, I'm going to challenge you, and this is going to help some married couples today. How do you know you have a good relationship with somebody? Think about that. I don't want you to answer the question. But how do you know that you have a good relationship with somebody? Now, a lot of people, your initial reaction may be, well, I guess it's based on whether there's conflict or not. If there's conflict, then it's obviously not a good relationship. And if there isn't conflict, then it's obviously a good relationship. 
When I do pre-marriage counseling, one of the first questions, and all those that have ever come to Melanie and I for pre-marriage counseling, one of the first questions I always ask a married couple, all right? I say, have you had any arguments yet? Not many of them, but some have said, no, we're in love. My next response is, well, then you're not ready to get married. (laughs) Because your relationship isn't strong enough yet. Because a good relationship, there will be conflict. Because in a good relationship, both people are expressing their personalities. And when you begin to express your personality, the fact that there's a male and there's a female, two different backgrounds, two different upbringings, you begin to express your personality and boom, there's a clash. So when somebody tells me we never have any arguments, I'm thinking, well, either somebody is the boss here and the other person just submits to everything. And it's an unhealthy thing. But so to to say that a good relationship is the absence of conflict would be wrong. You see, good relationships are deep relationships. Everyone say deep. Everyone say mature. A healthy relationship that does not have disagreement, misunderstanding, arguments, all of those things, it's, it's not a healthy relationship because the two people are not expressing themselves. And if we're going to be real and we're going to be ourselves, there will naturally be conflict. And so I ask you, because we've been talking about knowing God and having a relationship with God, what would you say about your relationship with God? What would you say? Is it mature? Is it a deepening relationship? Are you able to bring your questions to God? Because in a good relationship, there can be those difficult questions. Are you able to bring your complaints to God? There's nothing wrong with talking to God and saying, why? Why is this happening, God? Not not questioning God, but asking questions of God. Are you able to bring your burdens to him and to go beyond the superficial and bring your burdens and your confusion? My question is today, is your relationship with God mature enough that you can expose your needs to him? You see, a good relationship is open. A good relationship is honest. A good relationship is where two people can share their, their questions, their burdens, their confusion. They can even bring their fears and their insecurities. They can even unload their misunderstandings. And I want to encourage you that it, you, you need to, we need to have a good, strong, healthy relationship with God. You can know God, not just know about Him from a superficial standpoint, but you can know God for yourself. And one reason, listen to me carefully, one reason that people don't like to expose their need to God, this is the underlying reason, is that they don't trust God. And the reason why they don't trust God is because they don't really know God. And then we go back the other way, because an unknown God cannot be trusted. And if you can't trust God, then you're going to sit there with your proud look and be superficial. But if you trust him, 
then you can begin to unload the burdens of your heart. You begin to unload the questions. You can begin to unload even the complaints that you may have, your fears and your insecurity. You see, we must be so careful of allowing superficiality to creep into our relationship with God. Somebody say amen. You see, God sees our weaknesses. God sees our hurts. We are foolish to think that we can pull the wool over God's eyes. We are foolish to think that we can have a control over what God sees because he knows. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, you walked into this place with burdens and hurts and troubles and God knows. And he's standing here waiting saying, I just wish my child would just begin to open up and expose their need to me. I just wish my child would allow me to come into their life and begin to work in their life. I think sometimes God says, I just wish I would have asked. Ask and you shall, you shall receive. You see, healing can only come when you allow Jesus to touch the messy parts of your life. Everybody say messy. Well, why, what would a holy God want to do with, a, with my mess? That's true, he's holy. And sometimes we can get ourselves in all sorts of unholy situations. But we say, well, what would God want to do and why would God want to touch the messy parts of my life? Let me tell you, God's not afraid of your mess. Somebody say amen. amen. In fact, God didn't love us from a distance. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He stepped out of his throne in glory, and he came and stepped into a messy world to save us. If you think God's afraid of your mess, where did Jesus come? He came to a stable. Where was he laid? In a feeding trough. And that tells me from the very beginning, he's not afraid of our mess. He's not afraid. You see, a stable would be a smelly place. He's not afraid of smelly situations. He's not afraid of ordinary people. God is not afraid of our mess. He whose name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And I might even go further and say, God with us in our mess. He didn't wait for us to get good. The Bible says for, that he died while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. I said this many times. I hope you understand. We don't get good to get God. We get God to get good. And so many people are saying, well, pastor, you know, I really know I've got to live for God. I really know I've got to sort my life out. I really know that I've got to try to get my relationship right with God again. So let me just sort some things out and then I'm going to start coming to church. Then I'm going to start living for God. When I've sorted out all this mess, no, no, you've got it around the wrong way. Get God and he'll help you sort the mess out. You don't get good to get God. You get God to get good. Healing can only come when you allow yourself to be vulnerable before God and allow him to touch the messy parts of your life. You see, the Bible says, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. Unless it dies, it doesn't bring forth fruit. Now, we definitely don't like the idea of, of falling because falling is very vulnerable. 
But unless you're willing to fall into the ground and die, that's that vulnerability before God. That's bringing your mess before God. That's exposing your need to God. When you fall into the ground like a seed and die, then God says, you know what? I can begin to do something. I can begin to bring life out of dead situations. I can begin to resurrect some things. I can begin to heal. I can begin to make some old things new. I can begin to do a mighty work in your life if you would just expose your need to Jesus. Don't be like the world. Expose your need to Jesus. And so here's this man. He's in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. There was a man there with a withered hand. Scholars, I read some scholars, record that the Hebrew translation of the book of Matthew adds that this man was a bricklayer by trade. Now, having one arm incapacitated would have made it very hard for a bricklayer. Before, he had two arms able to work. And so there he is. He was able to work and provide for his family as a bricklayer. Now he was reduced. His power was taken away from him. And Jesus walks in the synagogue and he calls this man out of the middle of the crowd. He says, I want you to come forward. Now this man would have carried some awkwardness about his situation. Maybe ashamed and embarrassed about his condition. And he most likely had tried to hide it from everybody. But let me tell you, Jesus specializes in ordinary people. And the fact that he was interested in ordinary people, sometimes it was scandalous amongst the Pharisees. And so now Jesus looked at him, and with all the eyes of the room on this man, he said to him, stretch forth your hand. And if we're going to receive what God has for us, we need to be willing to stretch forth our need to God. Oh, you say, oh, but God already knows, Pastor. God already knows. Yes, he already knows. But your faith is in the stretching. Your faith is in the stretching. And, and just because you have a need, let me tell you, just because you have a need, that doesn't obligate God to do anything for you. Just because it's obvious. Well, isn't it obvious to God that I've got a need? Let me tell you, the obvious doesn't obligate I, God either. He's not obligated to do anything just because it's obvious. He's not obligated to do anything just because you're a need, you have a need. But only when you come to him and you ask, when you expose your need to God. And some of us have got things in our lives that have been there too long. And the reason why God hasn't been able to help is because you haven't been willing to expose it to God. You haven't asked and this man had a choice. When he, when he was told to stretch forth his hand, Jesus didn't say, stretch forth your broken arm. No, he just said, stretch forth your hand. And this man had faith to stretch forth his withered hand. Some of us, if God says stretch it forth, we may say, well, here's the best. I'll hide the weak. Expose your need to Jesus. I don't know what it was, but maybe it was the authority in which Jesus spoke. But something caused him to become vulnerable 
in front of the Savior, to let his guard down in front of Jesus long enough to expose his need. And let me tell you, when he exposed his need, his hand was made whole. I want you to understand today the importance of exposing your need to God. And that's one of the reasons why the Bible says, if there are any sick among you, call for the elders. Yeah, why? Because you need to come and you need to expose it to God. Say, I need healing in my body. Yeah, you're telling the pastor, we're gonna pray for you, but you're also telling God, you're exposing your need. And the Bible says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and heal the sick. And so there is something when we step out and we say we've got a need. Before Jesus will work, you've got to be willing to expose your need to him. You've got to be willing to let your guard down. You've got to be willing to put your superficiality to the side. You've got to be be willing to become real in his presence. If the musicians could come, you see, you must get real. Let me tell you, Jesus does real things for real people. We can't fake, we can't pretend, we can't be superficial. When we think about the woman, that harlot, that, that, you know, that that lady that was caught in the act of adultery, as as she laid there exposed in a sin, he forgave her. He went to the house of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus sought Jesus. Zacchaeus told him everything. He would go to the Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, my daughter is possessed. She exposed her need and Jesus went. You've got to be willing to realize that you've got a need. You've got to be willing to expose it to God. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. There's, there's some people here today that have had things in your life for so long. And you're like, well, God, you know. Come on, just do something. I, I don't But unless you expose it to God, He cannot do anything. This man is here in the the tabernacle, temple. His hand is withered. Most likely lost his job as a bricklayer. But there's one thing he didn't lose. Everyone say one thing. He hadn't lost his faith. And you don't need a lot of faith to move a mountain, the Bible says. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain to be moved. Of course, yeah, he'd run out of luck. He didn't have a job. He had a withered hand. He had lost a lot of things, but he hadn't lost his faith. And you say, how do we know that, Pastor? He was still in the house of the Lord. He was still in the house of the Lord. Now, I don't know what you're facing. I know what some of you are facing. But I don't know what you're all facing. But I want to tell you, the fact that you're here in the house of the Lord today, the fact that you came to worship God, I want to tell you, you may have lost a lot of things, but there's one thing you haven't lost. And that is your faith. And that is the one thing you need for God to come through in your life. That is the one thing that you need for God to come through in your situation. You've still got your faith. You say, Pastor, it's just hanging by a thread. Yes, it may be hanging by a thread, but you've still got your faith. I know there's been trouble. I know that you've been down. I know that you've got questions, but you're still in the house of God. You've still got faith. You're still worshiping God. And that's all that you need. 
That's all that you need. As long as you've got faith, as long as you can hold on to Jesus, that is all you need. If you lose everything in this life, but you've still got your faith, let me tell you, you can make a comeback. You can make a comeback. And this man, he was still in the temple. He was still in the house of the Lord. Jesus didn't ask him. He didn't say, hey, young man, have you got faith? He saw his faith, the measure of faith, because why? He was in the temple. Let's all stand in this place today. You see, your need today, everyone say, my need. My need leaves me with a choice. Your need leaves you with a choice. The choice is this. You can be superficial and act like nothing is wrong. You sit there with your proud look and even lying to yourself. I'm fine. It's all good. But your need leaves you with a choice. You can be superficial and act like nothing's wrong. Or you can expose your need to God and allow Him to do a work. This man had a choice also. He could have kept his image intact and he could have exposed the good. Everyone else would have seen the good. Jesus would have prayed a lovely prayer and nothing would have happened. He would have kept his image intact and you know what? He would have left crippled. But because he exposed his need to God, God healed him. Even in the Psalms of David, you read, you read David pouring out his heart, becoming transparent before God, bringing his questions. David, David did not, wasn't perfect. He said, in fact, in Psalm 51, David said, God, you desire truth in the inward parts. Everyone say the inward parts. Psalm chapter 51, verse six, he says, thou desires truth in the inward parts. David didn't say perfection because none of none are perfect, only God. But God desires truth. Let me tell you, He simply wants you. He doesn't want your facade. He doesn't want your imitation. He doesn't want that little small window. But will you be willing to become vulnerable before God and say, God, here I am. You know my needs. Lord, I, I need you to help me with this. Sometimes God will, will, will just be waiting on us to expose our need to Him. And this altar is a place where you can come and get on your knees and say, Jesus, I'm bringing my needs to You. And as we begin to make and confess those needs to God, God says, I've been waiting for you to ask. I've been waiting for you to invite me in. I've been waiting for you to stretch that need towards me. And Jesus still says, come unto me. Not all you that perfect, not all you that are got it all together. He said, come unto me, all you that labour and are heavy laden. Expose your burdens to me. And you know what? I will give you rest. Whatever your need is today, you've got enough faith for God to move. You're still in His house. You're in the right place. And if you're willing to stretch forth your need, if you're willing to expose your need to Jesus today, He can begin to do a work in your life. God resists the proud, but He gives grace 
to the humble. He resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Let's lift our hands all across this place. If you want to come to this altar and pray, this altar is open. We're going to have some time of prayer. But right now, as they just play some music, we're just going to just allow what God has spoken to us today to just find a resting place in our hearts. Lord, let the seed of Your Word fall into our hearts today. Help us, O oh God, to mix our faith with Your Word. Lord God, help us not to stand from a distance with a proud look. But God, Lord, You know exactly where we are. And Lord, help us to bring our needs to You. Help us to come unto You with our burdens and our cares. Because God, You want to give us rest today. Lord, You want to heal and deliver. Lord, You want to set free. You want to work miracles, oh God. Lord, help us, oh God, to expose our need to You. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, lift your hands to the Lord right now and surrender. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Lord, I need, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness, oh God.
just lift our hands right now Lord Jesus we declare our need for you in this place today hallelujah 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 maybe somebody today needs to recognize that they are a sinner they need to repent of their sin today say Jesus forgive me I turn my life back to you I turn my life to you Bible says that after somebody has made that the decision to repent of their sin that they should be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins and when you are baptized your sins are washed away you're applying everything that Jesus did at the cross you're applying it to your life so if you haven't ever been baptized in Jesus name right after our next service we're going to have a baptism service. And I'd love to invite you today to come and to step out of the crowd and say, yes, I have decided to follow Jesus. I want to repent of my sin and I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. The Bible says, and He will give us the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. And I believe God will give you that gift. As you come out of that water, seeking and praising God, He'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. If that's you today, I'm going to be around after this service. I'd love to talk to you. Love to make an arrangement so we can baptize you. Maybe not today. Might be next weekend. But there's water. There's always water here. What doth hinder you to be baptized? And we're going to worship the Lord right now with one more song. Let's just praise God from the bottom of our hearts. Forever He is glorified. Forever He is lifted high. That day on the cross, Jesus won the victory for us. He didn't die so we could live a defeated life. He died so that we may be victorious in Him. There is victory in Jesus for somebody today.